we thank you for the power of God at work in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the power of your word, the power of your spirit. We thank you, Father, for the reality of your kingdom. <laughs> Lord, we don't live in a broken condition, a broken state. We live in the condition and a state of being reborn, born again, and empowered by your Spirit, given ability to do all that you have assigned us to do. All that you've assigned us to do. We thank you for the, your kingdom. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality, the truth of the word of God. We thank you for the reality and the truth of the word of God. I pray tonight, Father, as we look in the word, that you open the eyes of our understanding and enlighten us. That we would see and understand, that we would see and receive all that you have for us tonight. I declare, Father, in Jesus' name, as the pastor of this church, that everyone under the sound of my voice is in their right mind. That everyone under the sound of my voice is, is at, at peace. That everyone under the sound of my voice is mind is ready to receive the word of God. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you are here to minister. You are here to, to depart, to deposit, excuse me. You are here to, to bring to us, Lord, truth and reality and understanding and comprehension. Not according to man, but according to the word of God. According to your word, according to your word, according to your word. And we give you the honor and we give you the glory and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm glad you're here tonight. If this is your first time at New Creation Church, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, make sure that you get with somebody and let them get your information from you, your name, your address, and things of that nature. And we want to send you something in the mail and just say, hey, thanks for showing up. And uh, praise the Lord that you're here. Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor and say, thank God you made it. Some of you got to do it by faith, but praise the Lord. The Word of God declares to us, Isaiah says this fascinating thing, and, and you know, we've been talking about the Word of Life. We are talking about what it is that we should communicate to, uh, to the heathen as we're shining as lights in the darkness. And uh, the Word of God says something in, in Isaiah that I just, it's been ringing in my spirit all day long. I don't know where the Lord's going to take me tonight with this, but praise God, I know the Lord. You should say amen to that. And I know his leading, and he'll get out what he wants to get out. But he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. This is Isaiah. This is the Old, uh, Old Testament. He said, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. For my own sake. Actually, this started about a month and a half ago, and you quoted the scripture, and I'm like, hey, man. Did you know that God has blotted out your transgression and blotted out your sin? And he will not remember them. Now, for us to hold fast to any other truth, little t, 
For us to hold fast to any other doctrine and any other belief is to say that God, the God who has blotted out our transgressions and our sin is a liar. And to literally put it in his face and say, obviously you're a liar. You said that you wouldn't remember them, but you do. They're in contact with us. They're, they're not removed from us. And so because of that, you obviously aren't telling the truth. What I'm, what I'm sensing tonight in, in the spirit as I've sought the Lord is, is this, this condemnation that's rising up from the enemy. And boy, quicker than quick, you've got to let that go. God said, Isaiah chapter 43, 25, he says, I, even I, am the one who has blotted out your transgressions. I, even I, am the one who did it. He did it. I have blotted out your transgressions. He says, I will, for my own sake. I did it for me. I didn't do it for you. I did it for me. And he says, I will not remember them. I will not remember them. Then he goes on and says, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. Did you know that your conversation with God is supposed to be two ways? I think sometimes we get into this guilt and we get into this condemnation and we get into this inferiority because we've blown it and we know it and everybody else sometimes at, at, at times does as well. But we get in this situation where we've got to sneak in real quick, shotgun a prayer to him and run as fast as we can like we're going to get out of his presence. Those of you who are laughing must know what that feels like. I'm going to sneak in the back door, I'm going to throw a prayer up to you, and I'm going to bolt. Kiesler out. Because we don't feel like we have the ability to be able to stay there. But the Lord says, let's, let's us come and contend together. Let's us discuss this together. Let's sit and talk. Put me in remembrance. I want to know what you know about me. Put me in remembrance that you'll be acquitted. Talk to me about the things that I've talked to you about. Let's contend together about these things and see about these things. But if Jesus is in heaven for you today, so you don't have to feel like you've got a shotgun a prayer in and run to get out of his presence because you don't belong there. I've said many a time to many a folk, <laughs> come to church with me. No, I don't want to go to church. Man, I go to church and God will kill me. I said, no, he won't. I know him. He don't do that anymore. I know him. He's not going to do that to you. In fact, I talked to him just a minute ago. I know him well. He's not going to get you. The Lord says, let's contend together. What do you know about me? Are you here tonight? Yeah. See, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits who has forgiven me of all of my iniquities and healed me of all my diseases. Psalm 103. He's healed me of all my diseases. Say all. all. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits who has forgiven me of all of my sin and healed me of all of my diseases. He's redeemed my life from destruction. Amen. He's given to me loving kindness and tender mercies. He's 
filled my mouth with good things that I might have my strength renewed like the eagles. This is Old Testament. God is a good God, even in the Old Testament. And he hasn't ever changed. He's still a good God. He hadn't changed. He just changed. He didn't change. He just changed the way he deals with us. Say, thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Amen. When we get what we don't deserve, that's a really good thing. Amen. Actually, when we don't get what we deserve, that's also a real good thing. Are you here? Relationship and right standing with God is very, very, very important that we understand this because the enemy will try to bring guilt and condemnation to you and the blood of Jesus has tried to, has successfully done it in the economy or the eyes of God, tried to remove and wash away, remit away your sin, your shame, and your guilt. And there are people who are living in planet earth today, born again, they don't understand that concept. Their sins have been forgiven, they don't understand that concept. The God of all gods, it is I, yes, I, who has blotted out your transgression for my own sake, he says. Capital M. They don't understand that. And they have this relationship with God that's based on fear. And not the good kind of fear, the Bible type of fear, which doesn't mean, boo, I'm going to, excuse me, get you, but it means, Lord, you're the God of the universe. You're the God of all flesh. You're the God of all earth. You're the God of all heaven. You're the God of all gods. A reverential respect to the Lord, a, a godly fear of God. We're not supposed to be afraid of Him. He's our Father. He's our Father. The Word of God declares to us that truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. We have fellowship with Him, amen? We have relationship with Him. And the enemy tries to bring up these things, and that's what I was starting to say. There are people on the earth, they have these things going on. They don't understand the new birth. They haven't comprehended that yet. They don't understand the sins of, of their past and the sins even of their present have been remitted and moved away from them. They don't understand that it is God himself who has decided to, for his own sake, blot out our transgressions, and they are holding on to guilt and shame from the past that happened years and years and years and years ago. See, this word of life, I thought you were done preaching on the word of life. Me too, but the Holy Ghost is in charge. Giving people the truth of what God has done for us. I already preached about God dealing with the sin problem. But until that becomes a revelation to us, and until that really drops down into our spirit, then we'll walk around defeated because of guilt, and defeated because of shame, and defeated because we feel like we're less than Someone who didn't have that problem or do that thing or say those things. Or... God doesn't want you to live that way. Right. The word of God declares over you, concerning you. You come behind in no good thing. That you're thoroughly fashioned and equipped in all and every good work. He didn't make junk. To keep your sinful nature intact and the error and the sin of your past would be a failed redemption. He said, I'm going to blot out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember them for my own sake. Put me in remembrance of the things that I've talked to you about and the things that you know. Let us contend together, you and I, just sit and talk. 
See, God wants us to have this fellowship with him and this relationship with him that's unhindered and unbroken. That's why we're not to live a, a sloppy grace lifestyle where we think we can just do anything we want to do and say anything we want to say because sin will enter in if we don't crucify the flesh. It's appetites, it's desires, it's passions, it's lusts. The temptation comes if we're not careful. We'll give over because of our flesh, but not because of a sinful nature that's been put away. And he wants to have fellowship with us, a relationship with us. And he doesn't want us just living any old way and saying, I can do anything I want, say anything I want, and act any old way I want, and everything's okay because, praise God, I'm living in the dispensation of grace. No, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteously yes. and soberly. He's not talking about not being drunk, but some of us need to hear that. We're not supposed to be drunk. You're supposed to be drunk on the new wine of the Holy Ghost. And you can be drunk on the new wine of the Holy Ghost even before the coffee's gone. I mean, you can get drunk all day long on the Holy Ghost. Coffee's time, time to get drunk. No, you don't even have to wait for that. You can just go after it. Are you here? Well, this is the Word of God. I said, this is the Word. Righteously, soberly, in this present age and in the age that's to come. He has brought grace to us to help us, help from heaven, to beat sin. Why? Because he wants to have fellowship with us. Why? Because he doesn't want anything separating him in us. Why? Because he's our father and he's a good God who desires relationship and fellowship. He's not looking to get you. He's looking to have you. I say he's not looking to get you. He's looking to have you. Why else would he send Jesus to die on the cross if he wasn't looking to have you? He sought you out. Jesus said, hey man, you didn't come looking after me. I came looking after you. I've come to seek and to save those who were lost. I came looking for you on assignment from God, the Father of the universe. I came after you on purpose. It wasn't by chance. You didn't, you didn't come to me. I came to you. This is the word of God. I said, this is the word of God. This isn't a religious thing. This isn't a traditional thing. This is a living, loving relationship with the living, loving God. He's not looking to get you. He's just looking to have you. I preached as good as I can possibly preach, Justin. I need to stop. I've done this like a lot. I can tell you, I can, I'm not going to be able to go any higher than that. I've crescendoed. We should just shut it down. Go home. He's not looking to get you. He's looking to have you. To seek out and to save those who are lost. He sees you broken. He sees you hurt. He sees you in your error. He sees you in your problem and in your pain and in your rejection and in your shame and in your guilt. And he's not looking to condemn you in that. He's looking to deliver you. From what? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. He has forgiven me of all of my trespasses. Why? For his own sake. He did it for him. Why? Because he wanted to have a relationship with me. He did it for himself because he wanted his humanity back. What I mean by his humanity back is usins. He wanted his folks, his kids back. So he chooses by himself. He made the decision. He was God. I guess he can do that. He said, I'm going to choose to not remember their 
He sees you in your hurt and in your pain and in your guilt and in your shame. And he sees you broken and he sees you out of fellowship with him. And he sees you when you're afraid and he sees you when you're depressed and discouraged and when you're hurting and when you're alone and when you're lost. He sees you. I said he sees you. The Bible says that we have such a high priest, Jesus Christ, who is in all points tempted as we were. Jesus himself, the Christ, the living son of the living God, knew what it was like to be alone. In all points, he was tempted. He knew what it was like to be alone. Can you imagine when Jesus told his disciples in the garden, hey, y'all, you just stay here and pray for a bit. The Bible says a stone's throw. I'm going to go a stone's throw. It depends. I mean, if it was a little kid, the stone's throw was just a couple feet. If it was a big boy, it could be 10 feet, 20 feet. Not a long way away. He's over here praying, saying, hey, I do not want to become sin, die and go to hell if you're not going to get me out. And he comes back to the men of faith and the word of power and the Holy Ghost and the men of the hour and the men of the day, and they're all asleep. Don't tell me Jesus didn't know what it was like to be alone. Jesus was led out by the Spirit of God into the wilderness for how many days? And he fasted for 40 days. Don't tell me he didn't know what it was like to be alone. Man, some of us can't go 40 minutes without something to eat, some kind of coffee or a piece of gum. or something. 40 days by himself. 40 days by the Spirit of God into a fast. It's almost sacrilegious to say that Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. Well, duh, he didn't eat for 40 days. 40 days he didn't eat. The Bible says that in that period of time that Satan came and did what? Played euchre with him. Told him jokes. Took him to the movies. Oh, it tempted him. Anybody here ever fasted for 40 days? I know a couple of fasters. They've never exposed themselves, which I think is fantastic. If I were to do it, which I won't, I could ask these people, when you go into these fasts, I know someone who's fasted a long time. You ever feel weak? You ever feel tired? You ever feel empty? You ever feel without strength? Imagine if Satan himself came. Now this is before Jesus had died on the cross. So Satan still was the little G God of this world and still had power in the earth. Thank God the Son of God had power over him, amen, because God gave him authority. But this is not a broken, defeated, defiled, stripped, exposed, shattered, cracked, broken Satan. This is the God of this world coming and saying, hey, let me take you up here on this pinnacle to a high place. The Bible says that in a moment, Satan showed him all of the kingdoms of the earth. In a moment. Are you here? Yeah. What are you talking about? We're talking about God sees you in your pain. And Jesus has felt the pain. We have such a high priest, Jesus Christ, who he, he, he is moved with our, with our hurt and with our pain. He has compassion because he was in all points tempted like we are, yet he was without sin. He took him on a high pinnacle and showed him all in a moment, all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give this to you. If you'll just bow down, don't, don't think you're alone because you've been tempted. Lest I digress and go into new creation realities. Right here, God's man of faith and power on the front row with a cookie dangling out of his mouth. While I'm in <laughs> mid-sentence, he's just rocking back on a cookie. <laughs> Jamie, you're one of my best friends, and you know that. Amen. I love you. Amen. We couldn't do it without him. Amen. 
No, we might be able to, but we don't want to. He's not the sharpest tool, but he's the funnest to use, bless God. As I was saying, he took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth in a moment, and he said, hey, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all these kingdoms that you see if you'll worship me. Because Satan said this. He said, see, they've been handed over to me. I have them in my care. They were given to me. Now, he wasn't lying about that. That's the truth. They were given to him. That's what he said. He said, they've been given to me, and I'll give them to you. They're mine to give. I'll give them to you. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. no, no, I'm only going to worship God. And I imagine, it's not recorded, but I imagine, if you can just imagine with me, I have a bad imagination, but here we go. Jesus saying, by the way, I'm going to get them all anyway. When I defeat you at the cross, he's going to give them to me anyway. I'm king of every king. I'm lord of every lord. Isn't that interesting how Satan doesn't come to, to distract you or to tempt you about things that have nothing to do with you, that aren't concerning you. He always comes to attack the promise. Let me tell you about this. It's real plain, real, real simple. And you might say, well, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And obviously you've never heard Jamie talk for any amount of time. Hey, sorry. You might say that that's the dumbest thing that you've ever heard, and I hope that you don't. But let me say this. God always brings a promise with provision. Always. He says, here's my promise. Here's what I'll do. Jesus will die. And then you can have it. Amen? Everything. Everything. Here's my promise. Jesus will die. He brings provision with his promise. Yes? Satan always combats God's promise. He cannot combat God's provision. That's where the church misses it. Satan cannot combat God's provision. Why? Because Jesus whooped him. But he will combat God's promise. And he'll fight you on God's promise. He can't combat his provision, so God brings a promise, and he always brings provision. That provision is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. His blood has guaranteed and secured it for us. Satan, to combat the promise, can't combat the provision. He'll come and he'll bring doubt and unbelief. He'll bring confusion. And a lot of times he'll bring some goofy Christian to get you messed up. He brings doubt and unbelief. He cannot combat the provision of God. He cannot. He will combat with everything that he can the promise of God. Always. He can't affect the provision. He affects the promise. And he can't really affect the promise if we know the word of God and have faith in God's provision. Is that helping anybody? Yeah, You're looking at me like that's, that's too simple. That's I'll say it again. God sees you when you're hurting. You're not alone. He sees you in pain. He sees you when you feel the guilt and the shame and the weight and the discouragement and the oppression and the depression and, and the thoughts of destruction and the thoughts of, of, of worthlessness. He sees you there. And he says, I have a way to get you out of this. I have a promise. I'm going to send provision. 
He already did, Jesus Christ. Satan comes and he says, I'm going to attack the promise. You can't attack the provision. I'm going to attack the promise. I'm going to come after the promise. I'm going to get you to say what I'm saying instead of what he said. And he'll do it any way he can. A lot of times he'll do, he always does it through doubt and unbelief because that's the antithesis of faith is doubt and unbelief. And a lot of times he'll do it through a goofy religious Christian who's messed up and doesn't know the word but says that they do. And so, well, I believe and just hurts people. Nobody cares what you believe. I'm sorry. I realize that Barack Obama is your president, the president now, maybe not yours, but and I realize that everybody wins in this administration, but God, we don't care what you believe. We don't care what I believe. We care what God said. Anything other than what God said just doesn't apply. I don't care. I don't care what you think God said. I only care what God really said. What did he say? He said what's in this book. Amen. So Satan will come and he'll attack the promise because he can't affect the provision and he'll try to get you to believe that's why people they get this idea well you know healing isn't for today that's an attack on the promise well you know god doesn't really want you blessed physically financially emotionally or socially he certainly doesn't want you blessed financially but he doesn't really want you happy he doesn't really want you at peace he doesn't want you having healthy and strong relationships. he'll attack the promise but for the Christian who knows the word of God, they can stand on the provision, receive the promise, and Satan's combat is nullified and it's void. Amen. Are you here? Amen. Now, I just taught you all you ever need to know in any spiritual warfare session in the universe. I just taught you. Satan can do nothing of the provision, it's established forever. He will only attack the promise, and he only attacks the promise through doubt and unbelief because he has nothing else to attack it with, and he'll do it through the church and tradition and experience. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, I tried to pray in tongues, and I didn't pray in tongues, so apparently tongues isn't for everybody. Well, calm down there. How do you even know you did it right? Well, I tried that tithing stuff, and God said he'd rebuke the devourer, and he hasn't, and he never has, and he won't. So, you know, tithing just doesn't apply today. Well, 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 wait a minute, tiger. Before we get off in our own opinion, the word of God says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own. Don't think you know something just because you've had experience in a certain way and it didn't work. Maybe, just maybe, maybe you didn't know what the truth of God's word was. And that doesn't mean that I'm picking on you. There was lots of things that I didn't know about the Word of God. How about you? People say, well, I don't like that church. The pastor singles me out. No, I'm singling us all out. Well, I do single Jamie out. <laughs> Actually, the person saying I don't like that church was Jamie. I was hoping not to. Oh, there he goes again. But he does come. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> I'm not singling anybody out. We're all babies. We're all babies. We're all born the same way. I said we're all born the same way. No one naturally was born a full-grown man. That would be a whole heap of a mess. That's another way of putting it. That was very eloquent. That hurt. Yes, it would. I'm not positive that that would work. 
But we're all born babies, naturally. We're all born babies, spiritually. As newborn babes, we're supposed, according to Peter, we're supposed to crave the pure, everybody say pure, pure. the pure milk of the word. Not the pure milk of the religious tradition or my, my great-grandpa or grandma or aunt or uncle or friend's ideology or man-made tradition, but the Word of God. Why? So that by it we would grow up in our salvation. So that by what? By the pure milk of the Word. It has all the nutrients that we need to grow up spiritually found in the Word of God. And when we move from being babes into mature, then there's even meat. That's the word of God. Yep. Satan comes and tries to isolate you and say, you're all alone. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your problems. And he always attacks, always attacks, always attacks. He will not cease to, to attack the promises of God. Always attacks them. So what do we do to combat his attack? We hold fast our confession in the word of God. We say, no, just like Jesus, no, it is written, no, I'm not going to have this or that or the other, no, we're not going to do that. He's going to come and knock on the door and say, hey, let's see if I can get this angle. No, he's always going to attack the promise of God. He can't touch the provision. He's always going to get you in doubt and unbelief over the promise. Well, you know, he did that because you can't deny it. Well, yeah, yeah, people did pray in tongues, but you know, that day's, that day's over. How is it? Well, yeah, definitely God, God used to heal, but that day's over. He don't heal anymore. Well, God used to be kind toward us. No, 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 no. That day's over. Now, now he's angry and he's mad and he's upset. He's constantly coming and he does it through, again, the religious, traditional mindset. And if that offends you, I'm not sorry. I, that's the truth. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. That's reality. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, so many people take this out of context and they say the thief is the devil. The thief also is not the devil. Jesus is talking about a religious ruler. Read the book. We pull it out of context and use it and it has a dual meaning and it can work. But in the context, he's talking about a hireling. He's talking about a religious ruler who doesn't care over the concern or the condition, the spiritual health of the flock. And he is talking about this person who comes up another way and he takes away from the flock and away from the sheep. A religious traditional experience, well, well if it's not true, there's some religious traditional experiences, bless God, they're true, they're right and they're good. Like going to church. Someone say Amen. amen. Like honoring God and worship and like coming and reading your Bible and, and praying and having communion and honoring him with the tithe and giving an offering and, you know, things like that. But when they attack the truth of God's word and say, well, you know, he didn't do that anymore. Well, that, that's, not, that's not of God. You don't have a whole lot of choices. It's either of God or it's of the devil. The thief come not, but the steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you would have life. John 10, 10, I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. They're trying to rob from you. I'm trying to get it to you. 
Are you getting anything out of this tonight? God is trying to remove all the guilt and all the shame and all the problems. And don't allow the enemy to lie to you and tell you, well, that promise is no longer good for you today because, you know, you received forgiveness and you received remission and you were baptized in water. But then the big then happened. You fell and you walked away and now he's just no longer happy with you and no matter, no longer satisfied with you and he's turned his back from you. And no, 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 no. The enemy will come to attack the promise. That's why it's so important for us to know the promises of God. To know what's really been made available to us. And bless God, forgiveness of sin, remission of sin, and repentance is made available to us. Right standing with him and the ability to be able to go into his presence with that guilt and with that fear and with that shame removed completely from us. The reality of the fact is, and this is why I hit this so hard, so hard, so hard all the time. The reality of the fact is God himself for his own sake has chosen to forgive us of our sin, remove them from us, and allow us to stand in his presence. It's his presence. He's the one that decides who gets to stand there and how we stand there. It's his presence. Come on. But I'm telling you, this is the hinge pin. It's the tipping point. Because if the enemy can get you to doubt this provision of God and doubt this promise of God, more so the promise of God, then then you're going to get into a situation where, well, if he doesn't want to have me in his presence, then I doubt he's going to listen to me when I pray. And if he ain't going to have me in his presence, I doubt he's not going to listen to me when I pray. So then he's probably not going to bless me when I tithe and when I give and when I honor him with the money. And he's not going to use me if I go to pray for someone who's sick, because after all, he doesn't really want me in his presence. After all, he doesn't really, you know, he just sees me as a filthy, horrible sinner. Thank God he's been saved by grace, but he's still lost in his sin and filthy and horrible. See, it's the tipping point for everything else. And, and if he can get you on this one area, then he's going to get you hung up on all of these other promises of God. I'm preaching way better than your amen in the night. Well, God's not going to bless me because he's mad at me. Well, who said? Well, God's not going to heal me because he's mad at me. And I guess I deserve it. Well, who said? You didn't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to have him mad at you. You got out of your sin because you're in Christ. And you're not getting what you deserve because you're in Christ. Don't let Satan rob from you the, the promises of God. Through doubt and unbelief. Jesus said it this way. He said it this way. He was talking about religious and traditional men. And he said, you make the promises of God of no effect. They're void. They're without power. Without ability. You make them of no effect. They're nullified by your tradition. That's that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. A friend of mine, a pastor in another state, another community, he's doing a teaching right now, and I think it's pretty slick. I'm not this type of preacher, so I'm sorry in advance, but he's saying, he's doing this thing, he's like, God didn't say that. And that's the title, that's the title of this series that he's doing. He's preaching in series, and it's God didn't say that. And he's attacking all these idiotic things that people say God said that he never said. 
there's a picture of him, and he's got a robe on, and he's got a little halo on, and he's got this big, humongous, actually, Zach Meniman knows, he's got a huge beard. And he's going like this, and there's this light shining behind him. He's like, God didn't say that. And he's doing this whole teaching on God, ne- God never said that. God never said he was mad at you. That's a lie. See, we started this whole entire service off. I don't know if you paid attention when I was praying. I said, Satan, you're a liar. Jesus said, you always lie. You lied from the beginning, and these are your children, and you, your father, is the father of lies. People aren't bad. People are deceived. People have nullified, made void, and of no effect the promises of God, the promises of God, the provisions of God, through tradition. Well, God didn't say that he's mad at you. God didn't say he's mad at me. God didn't say he'd heal you sometimes. He said he would always heal you, and he already has healed you. What a beautiful picture of Isaiah chapter 53, looking to the future of Jesus coming to the cross. He will, by his stripes, you will be healed. Peter looking back and saying, bless God, by his stripes, you were healed. He got you coming and going. Pointing back to the cross. God never said he wants you to be sick. God never said he wanted you to be discouraged or depressed. Or God never said he wanted you to have these crazy, wild, stupid thoughts about destroying yourself or somebody else. God never said that he wanted you to go sleepless or, or helpless or healthless. He, he's here to help you. He's seeing you. He knows you. Get into the word. It starts with having right fellowship with him. And that starts with knowing that he did it for his own sake. Here's another thing, and I'm done. Obviously, I've turned over the Bibles. People have thought, and I don't know why, but people have thought, God has all these things. Everybody thinks. Everybody say things. God has all this stuff. Say stuff. God has all this stuff in heaven. He has things and stuff in heaven. He's just not interested in giving it to you at all. That's not truth, but yet we've bought that lie. I said we've bought that lie. God goes to bless you, God goes to heal you, God goes to deliver you, God goes to pull you out. Well, no, 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 not me, not for me, no, not for me. And he's got all this stuff, he has all these things, and he's just holding on to them, saying, well, pfft. I'm going to wait, I, I might run out. <laughs> if I give it to you, then I might run out. Man, give it away, you can't outgive him. The pool you're drawing from will never run dry. The resource pool that you're pulling on will never run dry. And he's not looking to keep things from you. He's looking to give these things to you. Amen. 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 The contingency is being in Christ. The contingency is being in faith. And the contingency is obeying him. If you then I, if you then I, if you then I. It's a reward system. He has set it up that way. If you receive Jesus, I'll give you eternal life. The nature of God. If you confess your sin, I will forgive you. If you then I'll, if you then I'll, if you then I'll. Don't listen to that lie that got all, all the stuff and all the things and he's just waiting to give them to someone better than you. There isn't anybody better than you. There's nobody better than you. There's nobody better. Well, that's arrogant. No, calm down. I'm saying about us. 
There's no one better than us. How are you going to get more righteous than we are righteous? How are you going to get more right standing with God than the righteousness of God? Where are you going to go to get more righteousness? There's no one better. There's no one more deserving to be used of God, to be blessed of God, to be helped from heaven than you in Christ. You're, you're already a candidate. People are chasing after their best life. Just be a Christian. That's the best life. It will not get any better. Just receive him. Believe his promises. Believe his provision. Shut the devil up. Don't let him lie to you and keep you out of the presence of God and out of fellowship with him and thinking that you're lost in your sin and thinking that God wants you sick and thinking that God wants... No, no on the contrary, shut him up, put him out, make him behave. You have the ability to make the devil mind you. Let me rephrase that. I have the ability to make the devil mind you. How about you? Amen. God's good. In fact, the Bible says his mercy endureth forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. That's good preaching. Father, thank you for the word. Lord, thank you that you got all the things and all the stuff and you're giving them out freely to us. In fact, you said in Romans chapter 8, just to back that up because there are people kicking on that. To back that up, you said, he who did not spare his only son but freely offered him up, how will he not with him also give us all things? All things. He who did not spare his only son but Freely offered him up. How will he also, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, give us anything we have need of? Money to pay a bill is nothing if he would give up his only begotten son. Healing in our physical body is nothing if he would offer up his only begotten son. He's freely give us, with Jesus, he'll freely give us all things. Thank you that you got all the stuff and you have all the things and you're freely giving them to us because we're in Christ and we're receiving them from you. Satan, shut up. You're a liar. You've always been a liar. You've always been a liar. And we refuse to buy into the lie. We refuse to question whether or not the provision is still good. We refuse to question. We refuse to believe whether or not the promise is for us. We refuse it. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord.